the petties have a pretty big smile on them. Bill, do you think, I mean, would it be okay? He and I just had a real funny thing happen. You think that would be okay to share that with him? Because my sense of humor and your sense of humor is so close to the same. I mean, if I, this, I just had, I told Bill, I saw him in the parking lot, I said, I just thought about your statement all week long. And it just, it, it, that's the way I think, that's my humor, and he's, so everybody's excited, okay, about his son-in-law and daughter moving back to Texas and coming on board, and so they're excited. I mean, their daughter's coming back to Texas and, and, and going to be here, and so Anyway, it's been, we shared with you last week about how we've prayed and agonized and we've met and we've met and we've met. And so I was surrounded by people and Bill comes up and whispers in my ear, the check's in the mail. <laughs> now, does anybody, do y'all get that? It's like he's paying me off for the for getting them back or whatever, but Bill, I don't think some of them got it. I got it. I got it. I thought about it. It made me happy all week. So anyway, the check's in the mail. So anyway, all I can say is I hope there's a whole lot of checks in the mail. <laughs> we're, we're all praying for a whole lot of checks. <laughs> so if you hadn't started praying for that, we'll uh, put it on your prayer list. Okay. So, uh, because uh, Will made one comment to me, he says, I, I may just have to pull an Abraham here and uh, just go out totally by faith, totally. So, anyway, we're excited. We haven't come down from all that, and it's been so good, but it's good to see you. And I always kind of like different holidays and things. I like to read a little bit, uh, don't exhaust, you know, the whole week. Uh, reading about Memorial Day things, but but Memorial Day is different, and sometimes they kind of blur together, but it's different than Veterans Day. Although uh, here on Memorial Day we do think about we do think about veterans, and um, and we celebrate the flag and patriotism. But Memorial Day is just so different because we are honoring, this day is set aside to honor and remember and to give thanks for those that have given the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom. In other words, they, they died. They died on the battlefield. They died for our freedom. And they've sacrificed, the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom. So that's where it's a little, you know, grateful for the veterans. And I'm a veteran and Dick is a veteran. And we, we're thankful for the veterans. Dan is a veteran. We're thankful for the veterans. But that's not what this day is about. We're thinking about those who've given their lives. And I would, I would highly encourage, and we live in a day and age where you can do this, and it's really not that difficult. If I can do it, I know you can do it. But it would be probably beneficial to do a little bit of research, just research some of the Medal of Honor recipients and just, just check those out. I, I think you might be very impressed with, I think each year for the last several years, I've read s several stories, accounts 
of these individuals that uh, have a lot, most of them, the ones that I've read, most of them have fallen on a grenade uh, to save the lives of their buddies. And um, I've actually thrown a hand grenade in training when we were going through, before I went to Vietnam, we were training, and grenades are very heavy. They're very heavy, and uh, it really makes you nervous when you're down in this hole, foxhole type thing, and, you're, and you, they teach you how to throw that, and, um, and you know, the pin is released, and um, it's incredible. So to think that someone would literally see a grenade fall nearby some of your friends your army buddies, Navy buddies, or whatever, and you just... And the one thing I read, and I've noticed, and it seems to be a thread throughout, it's without hesitation. <clears throat> without hesitation, because there's not a lot of time. So it's without hesitation, these men and women, but mostly men, the accounts that I've read, without hesitation, they fall on the grenade. And that seems to be a very common thread that I've seen throughout all of these accounts. Without hesitation, just instantly do it. And so then I researched about the term. <clears throat> You've heard the term falling on a grenade. And so I just want to read you something that I came across that I thought was to me. Now, some of you ladies may not find it interesting. I don't know, but, but I know that many of the men falling on a grenade that's a term, refers to the deliberate act of using one's body to cover a live, time-fused hand grenade, absorbing the explosion and fragmentation in an effort to save the lives of others nearby. Since this is almost universally fatal, it is considered an especially selfless act of an individual, a sacrifice in wartime. In the United States military history, more citations for the Medal of Honor have been awarded for falling on a grenade to save others than any other single act. It's one thing to die for your buddies. Because I was in the Navy and we, we formed a, a, a close-knit bond. We were, we were offloading bombs and ammunition out of Da Nang Harbor. And so they, there was a risk to that handling live ammunition on a, on a civilian sea hull ship. And there, there was a risk. And there were uh, uh, snipers on Monkey Mountain. And when we'd go out to the docks to get on board the, uh, those carriers to carry us out, they would shoot off that mountain and they would shoot flares into the uh, harbor uh, to land, they were hoping some of those flares would land actually inside the hole of the ship where the ammunition was so it would explode. 
And so there, there was a risk involved in that. So we formed a, a close, fairly close-knit group. So it's one thing to die for friends and sacrifice your life for friends. It's another, and when you think about it, and you, it's just like totally opposite. It's another thing to die for someone who is guilty of a crime. Someone who's a criminal. Someone who's actually guilty of doing something very wrong and seeing that person there and saying, well, I have a choice. I could die for them and let them live or not. And I think there would be some hesitation probably on the part of a lot of people if you had a choice to fall on a grenade for a friend and a group of friends versus a group of criminals. I think you might think about it a little longer. You might say, well, I'm not sure I want to do that for them. And yet, and again, turn to John 3.16, if you will. John 3.16 Wonderful, wonderful passage of Scripture. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. The world. Guilty people. Sinners. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now, if you will, turn in your Bibles to Romans Chapter 3, Romans chapter 3. Who did Jesus die for? He, he died for the whole world. He sacrificed his life for the whole world. And that's some decent people, but some very bad people. Very ugly people. People that are, that are out to do no good. They are out to harm others. They, they steal. They they break in. They, it's one thing. They have no value of life. That's the world. And, and the Bible is very clear. All of us fall into that category. Verse 23, chapter 3 of the book of Romans. For all have sinned. And you know what? You can do your Greek studies and you can go to your concordances and you can look up the word all, and the word means all. For all have sinned. Every single person that ever lives has sinned, except one, and his name is Jesus. But all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means you, your little darlings, your little family, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. James 2.10, if we break one of God's laws, 
We are guilty of every single one. You break a law, you break, violate, violate the law of God in one place, and we're guilty of all. All of us. So the issue is we're the guilty ones. We're the ones that are out there breaking God's laws and breaking God's heart. And Jesus Christ, God's only Son, willingly and freely sacrificed and gave his life for sinners. For all of us, and we can't be too uppity and say, but I'm, you know, a little higher class sinner. We are all dirty, rotten, wretched sinners. We're all sinners. And Jesus freely gave his life for sinners. Now, why? Why would Jesus Christ, the Son of God, why would he so willingly give his life for guilty sinners? I mentioned this the other day, and I'm really wanting to drive this point home. So get used to hearing it. God operates out of love. His kind of love, unconditional love, that's the way God works. I believe the more I study Scripture, the more I study the character of God, the more I look at who God is, and we even prayed today that we would get to know Him better. The better I get to know Him, the more angles when you see Scripture, the more I see He's operating out of His love for us. When he brings discipline, when he brings discipline in the life of the believer, he's doing it out of a motivation for love. He disciplines those whom he loves, the scripture says. So it's, it, I, we need to start getting that in our minds and thinking about this is the way God operates. It's out of his love. When we pray for something and it doesn't happen and we think God has withheld something from us, when we, when we see a restriction or withholding of something that we have a desire for and God holds it back, I can show you it is out of a motivation of love that he's keeping it from us. When we, and Americans, and most of us, have been lavished with so much compared to some of these third world countries and people digging through the trash to find food and, and all this, we throw out, and you've heard this, and people say, don't put me on a guilt trip for the th stuff I throw out. But it's a fact. We, our cupboards are full, <clears throat> our, our garbage cans are full, because we throw out stuff that people would love to have in some of these countries. So when God in his mercy 
lavishes us with more than we need, I'm telling you, don't mistake it. It's out of his love for us. It's out of his love. I want us to remember, I, I somehow we need to remember that God is operating out of a motivation of love for us. It's just a love that you and I have a hard time in the English language even explaining to anyone. How do you explain the love of God? I mean, Jesus is the perfect one. He is God in the flesh, and he's willing for all of us. And listen, I'm going to tell you, and I don't want to be too cruel, but when I see the human race, it's nauseating. You see the human race and the way people are acting and the way people are thinking, it's sickening. And yet God, because he loved, so loved the world, he would let his son, his perfect son, his only son, his only begotten son, die on the cross for us in our place. That's not it. We can't comprehend it. We can't really explain it. The love of God. And I'm convinced there's a certain things that I know for a fact. Okay. And so I'm so convinced that as hard as we try to preach it, as much as we try to read it and understand it, I think there are going to be some things that you and I won't even scratch the surface of until we get to heaven. And then I think we will begin to understand the love of God when we get to heaven. Because I think it's too big for us. We are, <laughs> we're too human. We're toting around this old nature, this old man. It, it, yes, the old man's crucified. Romans 6, yes, but we still have to deal with the three enemies of the Christian, the world, the flesh, and the devil. I think it's too, I think it's too hard for us to really fully comprehend. John 3, 16, that God so loved the world, he loved sinners, the criminal, the offender, the guilty, the ones out there doing all this crazy, sick, sinful stuff. Now, and you've heard it before, but we have to say it again. He doesn't love the sin. He loves the sinner. It's not the sin, not the acts of sin, but it's the sinner that he loves. And the world is full. The world is full of sinners. And God loved them so much, loved the world so much, that he gave, the scripture says. He gave. It's a free gift. He gave his son. He gave his son, and he's been referred to as the Lamb of God. The sacrificial lamb of God. If you want to turn in, in John chapter 1. John chapter 1. 
Verse 29, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And it goes on, and John bare record saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is which he which baptizeth with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this, look at this, verse 34, and this is the Son of God. He's the Lamb of God. He is the Son of God. This Lamb of God, this Son of God, freely and willingly died on the cross for my sins and for your sins, and for the world's sins. He died. He gave His life. He gave His life freely for sinners because He loves sinners. He, he loves, he, he gave His life for the guilty. And folks, I, I started a list, but there's no way to have a complete list but we've all lied at one time or another. We've all stolen somehow, some way. We've all lusted in some way or fashion. We've all dealt with the sin of bitterness in our lives. We've all been guilty of... And we can sit here and say, no, that's not me. That's not me. Now you're lying. And we've all at one time or another, I'm confident, broken the heart of God. We've broken our Father's heart. We say hurtful things to each other, and then we have to go, hopefully we go back and apologize. Some have lived a life of total hypocrisy, living one way on Sunday and another way out in the world. I've personally experienced seeing that in action. We make people try to believe that we're so spiritual in some way, but when we really are at home alone, we're really not that way at all. God knows how phony and how hypocritical we can be. But isn't it amazing? God loves us unconditionally. I mean, it, it just absolutely just, there's nothing compared. There's nothing to... I mean, there's no analogy. You can't, you can't do anything to, to understand. I know the real me, and God knows the real me, and He still loves me. 
How about for you? Isn't it the same? You look in the mirror and say, Woohoo! What a sinner! And yet, Jesus Christ gave his life for us, all of us. It's incredible. Now, and again, I'm just telling you the way it is. We say we love, but we have conditions. We say we love each other, but we have conditions. Our love is basically conditional. There, there can be a line that if we cross it, and I've experienced it as pastor. I mean, I, I've got folders. I've got folders in you know family files. It's kind of neat to kind of flip back and occasionally read some of the sweet, wonderful things, letters people have written, and then to know that those same families that wrote these wonderful letters had to have detox sessions in their home to detox from North Belt. And it's, it's incredible. You've got in print what they said at one time. So they changed. They turned. Because their love is not unconditional, their love is conditional. The love is conditional. It's our conditions, our rules, our terms, our way or no way. I've seen it. How easily Christians can cut each other off. You've heard me say this, but it's just one of those ringing statements that just you just think, I cannot believe I'm hearing what I'm hearing. For a Christian that was a faithful member here, spending time here, love the church, but stand here and tell me, I can't worship under the same roof with this person. So we're gone. What? You can't worship under the same roof? What I tell, I'm telling you, there's something wrong, dreadfully wrong with that picture. And again, I know I've shared this one, but father called me up on the phone, said, we're leaving the church. What? You're leaving the church? Yeah. He sent his daughter off. This was way back years ago, years ago. Sent his daughter to a Christian college. And there are a lot of the families at that time didn't believe that the daughters ought to be going off to Christian college. That was their decision for their family. So this girl would come home from school. And he said she would be walking down the sidewalk and there'd be a group of girls together visiting and they'd see her and they would turn about face and walk away and shun her. They were shunning her on church property. He said, I just, I'm sorry, I can't take it any longer and I'm leaving the church. Things like that just break my heart. I mean, I guess no one paid attention to the messages on jurisdiction. And decisions that families make that I might not make. I didn't send my daughter off to college, but I don't condemn those that do. That was our, our decision. John MacArthur has a whole series. I think, I don't know how many messages it is. But John MacArthur, the title of it, y'all are always looking for titles. The title of it is Quit Criticizing. That's the title of his message. Quit criticizing. Quit being the one to constantly find fault with somebody or something else. And I'm going to keep saying this. 
we better be thankful to God. You ought to fall on your face during this invitation and, and praise God and thank God and humble yourself before God that he doesn't treat us like we treat each other. J. Vernon McGee used to say, I love that. I loved his accent, the way he preached. He's, he's a great preacher. I've heard him say, Christians grow up. Get off of the baby food and get on to the meat. Grow up. Now, I have a personal opinion. If Christians could get along, the ones we've been here quite a while now, if Christians could have gotten along, this building wouldn't hold all the people. It, it wouldn't be, I think the capacity is like, you know, with all the chairs and filling in the gaps and things, I think it's over 500. I don't think this building would hold everybody if folks could have just gotten along with each other. And that's a sad commentary. But yet, God still loves us and puts up with us. We ought to love each other the way He loves us and the way He's forgiven us. And we should be able to, and I love the scripture in Ephesians talking about forbearing one another. I hadn't preached on that in a long time. But forbearing one another, putting up with some things that maybe, yeah, you know, not quite your cup of tea, but you forbear, you put up with. Maybe some sayings people have or the way they act or the way they do certain things. You just, they're just certain things you, and folks, I'm going to tell you, and I really want to brag on this church. Y'all have had to forbear for a long time now because I just know how, how easy it would be to say, man, I just don't. I don't care for that and just turn it off and go. And it's it's a blessing. So forbearing one another, putting up with some things that are not our what we really wanted or what we really planned. But with the scripture tells us to forbear one another, to put up. I've looked it up in the Greek. It's putting up with some things in others lives that you may not actually like. And we're not talking about sinful habits or sinful ways or sinful activities. It's just preferences. Some things that are their style of doing things. And we just, they're just saying, anytime you get groups together, I think there needs to be a lot of forbearance. We have to put up with a few things. Now, I find it fascinating, and you know, uh, I find it fascinating that there's another 316. There's another 316 that deals with all of this in such a way. And that's what I, I mentioned at the beginning. It's on the front of our bulletin. So why don't you turn, if you will, to 1 John two sixteen. Look at it with me. I'm sorry, I said 316. That's exactly what I meant. 316. 
Hereby perceive we the love of God. Verse 16. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Now, I want you all to just think about that. I believe that is a command. Hereby perceive we that the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. It's a command. God's given us this command that we are to lay down our lives. And that's why I prefaced and started with the falling on the grenade and all of that, because we're getting to this point of where the Scripture instructs all of us who love the Lord Jesus, we've been saved, we are to lay down our lives for the brethren. It is a, an affirmative command. God tells us we should lay down our lives. And I find that very difficult. I find that very difficult because human nature is to flee danger and run to safety. We have it built in us the desire to fight to live. We don't want to just die. I mean, just volunteer to die. We've, we want to fight to live. We, we never give up. I'll die fighting. I'll die trying. But I'm, it's, hard to, it's hard to comprehend just voluntarily giving my life for another person. And if I have a hard time fellowshipping with someone, a believer that maybe doesn't like me or doesn't care for me or said bad things about me, if I have a hard time fellowshipping with them, how am I going to ever bring myself to die for them? And I just wonder, I, I was looking for a title. <laughs> I was looking for a title. But your mind can run away with a thought like this, but it's just like the most violated command in Scripture. <clears throat> the, I just have to ask you, do you really think Christians would die for each other? I mean, do you, do you really, honestly, if, if there was a situation where you could, without hesitation, Die for a brother or sister Christ, even if somebody you don't care for, somebody that really you don't line up with 100%. Do you honestly believe Christians are going to fall on a grenade for each other? I'm sorry, I, I guess I know too much. It concerns me that the scripture, that's how, that's how much love the church should have for each other. That's the ultimate demonstration. We love each other so much, the lost world should see that we're willing to die for each other. You know, the communists and those that have an agenda and they are behind certain movements, they're willing to give their lives for that movement. But I challenge this church, I challenge us as Christians Christians, are we that kind of person? Do we, are we driven? 
Are we, are we in love with the church so much and the believers in the church that we're willing to die in somebody else's place? That's the word of God. That's what God tells us to do. Jesus set the example. He laid down his life for us. Therefore, Christians should lay down our lives for each other. Very simple. But I think it's a challenge. I think it's a challenge for all of us. I'm, I'm included in that. Because we all say, I'm not ready to die. I want to ask you, please, search this scripture. Pour your heart into it. Examine yourself. Look deep into the Word of God and let the Holy Spirit look deep into your heart. And would you honestly, before God, as you're alone with God, just you and God, can you honestly say, yes, Lord, I would willingly die for so-and-so. I would give my life for theirs. Let them live. I will die. Yet that's the command. That's the ultimate sacrifice. That's what the challenge is for today. The church should be willing to give up our lives for each other. Because we love each other so much. Because we've been loved by our Father that much. And I have to ask you just as we have the invitation. Do you really believe you would? Would you really die for somebody that maybe you're on the outs with or you really don't have, you know, somebody that's left the church and they're saying negative things about the church or negative things about your family or you, would you really die for them? That's what the scripture says. Hereby perceive we that the love of God, the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. I challenge you. It's a challenge for me. I'm just being very honest. It's a challenge for me to say, oh, yes, I would eagerly do that. I would obey that scripture without even hesitation. We need to get to that place. We need to move in that direction. We need to be willing to say, Lord, my heart is, and you know my heart better than anybody else. I would do that. I would obey you in that. So that's the question. That's the challenge. That's our invitation. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the word of God. It's many times very difficult to deal with because of our humanity, our frailty, the fact that we just have a hard time loving each other like you love us. And I just pray that today you would melt our hearts, take away that stony heart and that hard heart that just sometimes really controls our whole being. And I pray today would be a different day, a new day, a fresh start. Today we could honestly say, yes, Lord, I would. I would die for anybody. I would give my life for any Christian, any brethren. I would give my life. I pray that God would search our hearts and show us things about us that we need to know about ourselves and that we'd respond to him 
and say yes to him and be obedient to him. Father, I thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to sing our hymn of invitation.